what's the, the, importance the overall of yeah the overall importance like you would say you know you've got sales you've got marketing you've got recruitment you've got all these big pillars funding um on a scale of one to ten just from a from a overall mm. arching how how uh how important do you think marketing is one to ten um it's a really good question because for me like i mean in the end of the day sales and marketing as part of sales is the oxygen of any company if you don't have an oxygen there's not going to be i like it i like the else. oxygen um so somewhere around the first top three okay there we go so for we are now officially live for those of you joining us mid-conversation we're having some fun before the podcast we're talking about i challenged everybody what is a single word that will replace the word marketing, because today on the Scale Up Heroes, we're going to be talking about scaling up marketing. But it seems as though we can substitute marketing for lead generation and we can substitute it for sales. So at the end of the day, we're talking about scaling up marketing, but it is one of the top three things that you have to focus on in your business in the process of scaling. And you're listening to the, star, uh, the Scale Up Heroes, and we have an amazing group today. We've got Michael and we've got Brent, and then Dave's going to be moderating. But the idea is to talk about how to scale marketing. If you want to check out further episodes uh, or catch us later, you can go to scaleupacademy.io. My name is Ryan, and my goal is to get everybody sort of warmed up and stretched out. So we got everybody thinking about words to replace. And we've talked about how marketing is selling before you're selling. So I'm not going to sell anymore, and I'm going to pitch it off to Dave. And Dave, you're going to take it and moderate through the next 30, 45 minutes, and we're going to dive into this crazy conversation of this thing called marketing. Wait, how do we figure this out, and how do we more importantly scale it? Take it away, Dave. Uh, thanks, Ryan. This this little thing called marketing, I think there's like a, a song that someplace there uh, about that. Anyways, um, so we've got a great, um, uh, a great uh, podcast for everybody today. Uh, we're going to um, focus in on uh, on a couple things related uh, to uh, uh, to the management of marketing and the scaling of marketing. Uh, we're going to touch on uh, a little bit of the uh, age old question of uh, revenue versus brand awareness. And towards the end of the podcast, we're gonna we're gonna hit you up with some uh, tips and tricks. Uh, related to um, lead generation and utilizing uh, content marketing. I am Dave Debaugh. Uh, I am the uh, VP of Marketing uh, at Agora IO. I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, who I am and what I do a little bit later, but I thought I'd uh, go ahead and kick it off today. Uh, we're going to pass it over to Brett uh, for a quick sort of intro on who Brett is and uh, what he's currently working on. Brett, go ahead and take it away. Hey guys, I'm Brett Chester. I'm from Site Tracker. Um, you'll be able to tell me by my Australian accent throughout the podcast. Um, I came over to the States about uh, seven years ago um, after working at an incubator in Australia where we grew out uh, a small um, uh, music business called Kaza. I'm not sure what, if you guys remember it, but it was the uh, the music subscription service that was a peer-to-peer -peer pirate software that you guys probably all used to download MP3s. It was a lot of fun back then. Um, so I've been working in the marketing space for 15, 16 years. I started my first marketing business when I was 17, and I'm very fortunate to be over at a company called Site Tracker right now and uh, running the marketing team over here and we are a project and asset management business for uh, critical infrastructure 
our customers include the likes of Verizon um, and other major utilities across the US. And we essentially make sure that these guys can deploy all of their assets on time and on budget. And um, challenging these guys to think outside the status quo and think past what they've been doing for um, 20 odd years is uh, the biggest challenge that I face as a marketer every day. Great. Um, uh, thanks, Brett, and uh, uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, what part of a quick follow up question, which everybody's wondering, what part of Australia are you from? I'm from Sydney, uh, the east coast of Australia, the, the capital of uh, New South Wales. Grew up at Bondi Beach. I'm a bit of a beach bum. Uh, learned how to surf when I was a kid. Um, and there's no such thing as uh, drop bears in Australia. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my favorite places in the world to travel to travel to is Melbourne. Uh, I can get lost in Melbourne for days. Um, oh, at least you at least you say it right. I don't like Melbourne. I'm a Sydney sider. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you uh, say there's well, no drop birds, but there are drop crabs, which you got to watch out for. The crabs are jumping from the trees, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. True. And the kangaroos. That's how you get to work. <laughs> it's uh, their version of lift. Anyways, um, so, so uh, also joining us on the uh, the podcast today is as Michael, who Michael, I believe you are out in uh, London. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a quick intro on yourself and uh, what you do? Yeah, happy to do so. Um, yeah, Michael Langwood from uh, Puck. Uh, we're based in London, and Puck is a it's a software service platform for large retailers to build their own mobile app. So. It's about uh, a large retailer like uh, Toby, for example, who are based in Los Angeles, and they would run their native shopping apps on, on our platform. Um, so yeah, we, we help them with how to or why to build an app for their, for their audience, and then how to get it live, how to implement it, and how to market it also to their clients. So we do a lot actually for our clients in terms of app marketing. But um, us as a business, we, we are B2B SaaS business, so... I'm going to talk mostly about that side of, uh, of the marketing sort of um, activities. Um, we're now about 100 people here in London uh, with about three dozen enterprise uh, retailers uh, in, the, in Germany, the US, and in Europe, uh, sorry, in the UK. Um, and yeah, like um, very keen to, to talk more about how we've been scaling our marketing effort. Fantastic, and uh, and welcome, uh, welcome to the uh, podcast, Scale Up Heroes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am uh, Dave Debaugh. I'm with uh, Agora IO. Uh, we provide um, SDKs and APIs for uh, interactive video, uh, live interactive uh, broadcasting, and and voice. Um, uh, I run uh, marketing for uh, for Agora. Um, we're actually just cleared uh 225 employees uh globally um and um uh we've got uh i think over uh, 400 customers global customers around the world um at this point there's this little thing called video uh and and podcasts that seem to be taking off so we've uh, we've got our hands uh pretty deep in that um, so I thought we'd um, kick the uh, conversation, though, off today um, really about the challenges of managing um, and, if you will, sort of 
uh, growing, um, growing a marketing team. And um, I, I'm going to kick this question off to you, Michael, first. Um, what, um, when you joined uh, Puck, um, what kind of challenges did you see with your marketing team? And then how did you handle those things? And how are you uh, going about growing your, uh, your marketing team? Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, like when we started, because I'm one of two co-founders, um, when we started, it was basically me. I was the sales marketing finance, uh, HR and, uh, other head. Um, so yeah, when we started, uh, I would do, we, we started from the beginning. We wanted to focus on a lot of content and like be, be a thought leader in this space, because when we started, we always had this vision to build a category, uh, that we thought needed to exist, which is app commerce. So, uh, mobile shopping on apps, um, because we saw every other industry having moved to apps and only retail really sort of lagging behind. So we focused quite early on, on, on content and <laughs> when we started to have clients on, on data and how we can show interesting insights and thought leadership around that data and make that more actionable to our clients. Um, we then started growing our marketing team with first of all, generalists. And that's just a really interesting learning for us, especially for some sort of earlier stage startups where you start with these generalists and they're great, but there is a moment in time when you need to switch and it's probably around your series. A or, or B latest when you need to switch to sort of more um, sort of focused people. So now we have a team of five in terms of uh, event marketing, uh, digital marketing, um, product marketing and automation and content. Uh, and we're bringing design in house right now as well. And we have another assistant, but like that switch from like more generalist to very focused people was a, was a bit of a painful one, especially with people that had been in the business for a while and that, we're struggling to move into a more specialist role where we needed somebody to really focus on one area. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that happens is um, the generalists are great um, when you're really at, you know, seed round, series A. Mm. As, as you mentioned, you were even wearing an HR hat. So mm. hopefully you gave yourself a raise uh, as, as, part of, <laughs> as, as part of that. Um, so, but yeah, the, the generalists are always the, um, the thing that kind of get you to that point of, um, almost being able to, uh, really begin to, uh, verticalize sort of what, uh, what employees do for you. Um, Brett, what, how do you feel about this, uh, this topic? I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Michael. The, the interesting thing is it almost depends on what type of business you're running as well. Um, Sometimes the generalists um, may not be skilled enough to be able to work on the product marketing side of things or may not be skilled enough to work on the demand side of things. So if you think about it, your business needs to understand what it is that it needs over the next six months when hiring the first marketer because you may need to head down a very strict product marketing route. You might have a really technical product and you may turn around and say, well, hey, how are we gonna communicate this properly? And a generalist, although they might be able to communicate it reasonably well, might not be able to kickstart things as well as a specific hire could. So I think that um, founders and co-founders um, and also first marketing hires need to actually really understand what it is they're capable of um, and then know what the business needs to be able to respond to that. We've kind of, um, you know, at Site Tracker here specifically, we started with me as the first hire. Um, 
knowing that we needed to be able to figure out what we wanted at scale. So that's why they brought me in as the first hire. We went from there into product marketing because we have a reasonably technical product that needs to be sold into the enterprise. So positioning the product is really, really important uh, so that people can buy it efficiently. Also, as a young startup, you need to be able to enable your sales team efficiently. So that's another reason why product marketing was my first choice for the direction that we hired in. Um, knowing also that my background is in demand generation, I could balance that very easily uh, through my skill set and go outbound with the product marketing team and the content team that we built out and then focus on the demand through myself. Uh, and that's my next hire now that we've reached saturation point. Um, the next hire is going to be demand. Uh, we're at five people right now spread across product marketing and um, content. And now we're looking for demand from here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Um, so you'll, you'll have a little bit more time once you bring in your, your junior me to, to, to run demand for you, um, which, is, which is a good thing. Um, so a question, um, uh, Brett, uh, well, I'll kind of throw this to you. Um, you know, as your um, sort of marketing team is, is growing and, and changing and ultimately evolving, um, how are you project managing um, the pieces of your organization? Project management is something that I think uh, holistically is completely overlooked and not really, to, mm -hmm. it's almost like the ugly stepchild. It's, it's, not, it's not really talked about much in marketing, um, but I think it's also key. The thing I've always noticed is the really well-run brands uh, tend to have a extraordinarily strong project management underneath them. Um, so I'd love to get sort of your take on, you know, how you manage, uh, manage your organization. Maybe even tell us, uh, I, I, have, I have no play in this, but tell us, you know, what type of project management strategy and or tool um, you're using at Site Tracker, And we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, look, I think you're spot on. Um, we sit at a nice edge as marketers. We have many customers, both internal customers, i.e. our sales department um, and customer success departments, as well as our prospects and customers out there. So making sure that we can deliver on time is essential. Uh, we make commitments that we're going to do something. We have to hit that timeline. And the way that we manage things at the moment is across a couple of different ways. Um, we have, uh, we actually use Asana, believe it or not. And I hope my CEO is not listening to this because he hates me mentioning another project management software. But it's, um, it's just the, the easiest path for us to be able to control the 70 odd projects we have on at any one point in time. Um, so we use Asana. We also use um, stand-ups frequently, and we've got three stand-ups that we run every week. Uh, the first is on a Monday, and I'm missing our first one today for this, um, but that's okay. They, they, the team knows what to do. Um, essentially, the first, uh, the first stand-up is about what's coming and uh, what's going to get in our way, what's going to stop us from hitting our milestones and, and, and uh, complete the project that we've committed to this week. The second meeting on a Wednesday is to just catch up, touch base, what's grown us for six, what's missing, what do we need to refocus on. And our wrap-up is um, on Friday, and we talk about metrics. Uh, 
what have we actually achieved? Um, what has uh, resulted from our releases in the last few weeks? Uh, what is something that we should be paying attention to to improve the next week? So it will kind of help um, us define what the next step is for the next week outside of our usual cadence activity. So I think the combination of the stand-ups coupled with the sauna to keep us honest at the granular level is really important. Um, and then finally, we use a playbook. Um, we have a marketing-defined playbook, which is a document that lives and breathes every day. Uh, we're constantly updating it. It includes everything from our stack and what our marketing stack looks like and all the relevant access information for it through to the complicated event box that we have. Everything that needs to go into that that we can pre-check off before we head off to an event. I think the playbook is, is a really important tool. Um, and the earlier you define that playbook and the earlier you um, appreciate the importance of a playbook in your business, um, the more success you'll find with it because it helps define what your projects are going to look like, how uh, your project will manifest itself um, and what the campaign will look like, how you set up the campaign, why you set up the campaign. Um, and as I said, it's a living and breathing document that, you know, God forbid somebody gets run over by a bus, somebody can very easily pick up and keep running with that project um, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I, I think the um, getting run over by a bus uh, statement is, is right spot on. Uh, we, we have this same conversation internally at Agora. <laughs> you know, if you get hit by a bus, uh, how do I know what you exactly. were actually doing? Um, so yeah. it is, you know, the, the, the marketing playbook from a strategic standpoint, it's, it's really imperative that um, that you guys have that and that you put that together. Just, just a quick question for you on the stand-up, and I, I always ask people this question. Do you guys actually stand up for the stand-up or are you yes. sitting down? And um, the other question I have about the stand-up, uh, which I also think could possibly be useful to everybody, how long are they? Yeah, for sure. We do literally stand up. Uh, the Friday one, not so much because it's more metric-oriented. We're digging into the data. Uh, but for the other two, literally stand up uh, and they're 15 minutes to half an hour tops, um, depending on where you are in the quarter. But uh, generally 15 minutes, it's um, guided by an individual um, and it's one at a time. And uh, whomever's guiding the meeting is responsible for making sure that it stays on time and, and is focused on uh, what you need to achieve rather than just... Uh, um, gas bagging yeah. unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah uh, we, we, we try, we try to keep them, you know, to uh, <laughs> under a half hour, but uh, I love the statement of gas bagging. I'm sure Ryan has all sorts of comments about gas bagging, but we'll go ahead, we'll go ahead and pass <laughs> this over to, uh, to Michael. Michael, uh, tell us about your, uh, your team's sort of, uh, you know, project management as well. And I think Michael. Uh, uh, yeah, can you? Yeah, can you? Sorry, I just it just broke up for a second. Um, yeah. yeah. So in terms of project management tools, like very similar, we we use Trello um, as a sort of like in depth uh, detail where we push forward tasks and projects and campaigns. Um, and then on top of that, we use OKRs. So we use OKRs company wide, but especially in the marketing team, we use 
uh, OKRs to really drill down for each person. What do we want to achieve in this quarter? What do you want to achieve in this month? And then break that down into uh, into the weeks as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very much, that helps us to be aligned with the overall company goal. Um, and also it helps us to be, to give visibility to the whole team because I think being in, in B2B, like a lot of us are like, one of the main um, sort of challenges is how, do, how well do you work with the sales team? How well do you communicate with the sales team? And how well do you have, have the information go from one end uh, of the company to the other? Um, and, and generally, that's OKRs work for that quite well in our, in our business. Um, we do also have stand-ups, which we also stand up for. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that question. Um, but yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on, on the, on the setting, but like, um, we also try to give an update, um, company wide and, uh, in the leadership team every Friday on what the marketing team and what the other teams have done. Um, so yeah. the team stand up will be actually most people sit at the team stand up. Um, but, um, and, uh, we talk through like, what's, what's the week been, what's the most important thing and what's the most important thing to look out for in the next week. So especially if like a new product release goes out or some communication for a client, um, you want to get the whole company behind that. Um, because you can still, if you have a hundred people or 200 people retweeting something, it's quite nice. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we use in terms of, um, project management. I think it's, it's the interesting thing is for me is that really good marketing people are, especially when you lead a team are incredibly good project managers um, because generally it's just so many things that are going on and you need to be very, very good as, as Brett was saying, like you need to be very, very good at hitting your deadlines because everybody else is just reliant on that. And if you, if you miss a deadline, if your, if your collateral comes too late for an event, well, you might as well not have bought it. So yeah, it's incredibly important to exactly do right. good project management. Yeah. 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 There, I mean, there's we, nothing, nothing worse than showing up at an event and it's, it's not handled correctly. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's everything from the data sheets, not showing up to the, the, the wrong booth being there and the message <laughs> not being coordinated and, you know, all those things. We, we did a, uh, an event, uh, uh last week in, um, in Seattle, a, uh, a gaming event called games forum. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was great in the sense that, you know, the booth matched the, the trade show materials, uh, Michael, which they showed up on time. So that was good. <laughs> and, um, and the, our speaker, our COO gave a speech and the presentation and the whole brand experience was all extraordinarily consistent. Um, and, and that doesn't happen, you know, sort of overnight. It takes a, it takes a team to kind of get to that point uh, where you're, where you're actually building that consistently. Um, especially if you're, you know, you're doing a lot of, um, uh, a lot of different, uh, uh, different trade shows along the way. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting, um, uh, Brett, that you brought up Asana and Michael that you brought up uh Trello, um, uh, you know, my team has complained to me in the past about what I'm using to project manage us, uh, which is actually a project called Monday. Um, and yep. it's Monday's Monday. pretty good. And it, it, it is, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's a, yeah. it's, it's a really good tool. And um, so that's, that's what we use. Um, Michael, one, one of the things um, that we do at, at Agora um, is we, we sync, um, 
so not only do we do the standups and and um, the the data analysis reviews and and all those things, but we also um, uh, have to sync um, with um, our developer marketing team and our developer community team, and we do that once or twice a week because we work so closely uh, with that group. Uh, we also um, do a a weekly sync um, with um, uh, with our sales organization. Um, just to make sure they're sort of getting what they, they need to get, um, which, is, which is really one of the things that comes out of all the project management pieces is, is really being able to work across organizations and, and really sort of provide um, the, the things that, um, uh, that the company needs. I, I always sort of think we're an agency, a marketing agency inside a company. And, um, exactly and, right. That, that's mm -hmm. something that um, yeah. I always sort of uh, think about. Um, one just quick follow-up on this. Um, Michael, I, I know you're scaling your team out. Um, mm -hmm. uh, sort of where do you see your uh, marketing you know, organization uh, you know, maybe 12 months from now? Uh, you know, how many more heads do you think you're going to have? And um, are you going to be able to just kind of sort of, how are you going to handle all of that? I'm laughing because we're, we're currently setting our budgets for 2019 and yeah. our, me and our head of marketing having a bit of a discussion about how big that team should be. So I hope she's not actually listening right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I think like for us, it's, it's um, the next year and two years will be about sort of geographic expansion. Um, so we, we're about to open our U.S. office in uh, sort of late Q1 2019. And I guess sort of halfway through that year, we'll, we'll sort of have marketing people on the ground as well. We're starting with one of my co-founders in a small sort of sales team. Um, and then I think generally, like we want to have, right now we, we outsource a few things around sort of web design for platforms, um, sort of consumer facing or customer facing website. Uh, we outsource right now design, which we want to bring in house. So these two definitely want to bring in house. And I also think, Generally, um, we need to do more around the data that we have because we, we see all the purchasing data from all our clients. And that's uh, this year they will, on the platform, there will be about $300 million being transacted. Next year, it should go to a billion dollars. And, and we have a lot of that data around what people do. And we need to share that and show people like, what they can achieve if they really invest in an app. And so I think data science will be an, uh, an interesting sort of addition to the team as well from a, from a content point of view. Um, so, yeah, I reckon maybe another sort of 50, 75% growth in, in terms of team size and then quite a bit of growth in terms of um, the events that we want to go to. To be honest, like U.S. events are a lot more expensive than in the U.K. or in Europe generally. Um, if you average probably around twenty to $40,000 for a sponsorship of an event, even like an SAP event or a Salesforce event in, in Europe, you probably double that in the US. So um, yeah, we're going to do a lot more of that. So this marketing spend as a whole will go up a lot as well. To be honest, like earlier, we also used to use Asana. I think it's just a sort of preference of the, of the person running it, uh, if you like Asana or Monday or Trello. I can I can yeah. see the project management uh, battle is on its way. We use Trello for. Um... Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go for it, Brett. No, no, we use Trello for one-on-ones to track our one-on-ones. Um, 
I think it's great for for um, one-on-one tracking. You can actually set the columns of what mm-hmm. you want to talk about topic-wise. You can set a follow-up on agenda items. It's an amazing tool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Do you do you guys, um, Brett? Mm-hmm. Do you uh, uh, allow uh, other heads of your organization access to Asana, or is it just for your? Yeah, team? for sure. Okay. No, for sure. We we let people have access. Uh, but there's a plugin that we use in Asana that puts out a Gantt chart every week when we do our marketing update. Um, we do our marketing update Monday mornings uh, so that we can cover everything up for the week. And um, we put the Gantt chart in there and we just show everyone what's uh, on track, what's not on track, and let everyone else understand uh, how they can get involved to help us. Got it. All right, uh, so we're gonna go ahead and uh, move on uh, to the age-old question, uh, if you will. First came the cavemen, you know, and they were writing on walls, and then eventually boats were created, and and, and then communication continued to expand, as as we all know. And we ended up in a in a madman world, uh, black and white television, which later turned into color. Um, and the way that marketers sort of got their message across um, has certainly changed um, over the, the, last, uh, the last 30 years and definitely over the last 10 years in a very rapid fashion. Um, it, you know, the Internet sort of brought us, for the most part, uh, truth in advertising um, in that you were really able to uh, dissect exactly what was working and what wasn't working. And so the age old question sort of is, is back though. And, and how do you, Brad, at, at Site Tracker, you know, handle revenue uh, marketing sort of versus brand awareness? I'll go ahead and pass it over to you. Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it depends on the type of business that you're in. Um, we're a new startup breaking into an old, um, industry type. So let's talk about telecom for an ins- for, for a second. Um, they are the companies in which use our software the most at the moment and um, are our targets. They are pretty complacent as an industry. They've been doing the same thing for 20 odd years. They're happy to do their project management through Excel, believe it or not. Um, and we're talking that these guys are deploying um, the cell towers that we rely on every day to have our conversation. So we have to change their hearts and minds through um, education. Um, so how do you define like the ROI on uh, a piece of content um, versus brand? So is education brand activity or is it, uh, not brand activity. And these are the types of questions that I grapple with in my head all the time. Um, but from my perspective, I think that every single campaign that we run, be it a lead generation campaign or a straight brand campaign, has to have some sort of revenue target associated with it. Um, if, if we're having a party at an event, that's a brand activity. Um, but we're going to be capturing names at the door. Can we use those names? What, what are the value of those names? So I'm always trying to establish a cost um, or at least a revenue target off the back of that brand activity just so I can start to justify in my head, hey, there's a metric um, 
now did we hit that metric goal or not? And what are the consequences of that? And how does that tie back into our attribution modeling when we're trying to acquire an enterprise customer where there's five, six, seven hundred people that we could be talking about at any one point in time? So I know that's a very long-winded way of saying um, I think that brand revenue activity, I think they need to be tied closer together now and that we need to be establishing and defining metrics against even brand activity so that we can always tie it back to something uh, so that we can prove our success. I think just going back to an earlier point that you made about, um, you know, events, uh, you know, everyone shows up to the event and it looks like it's seamless, but there are hundreds and hundreds of different parts that go into those events and making them successful. The, the big pop-up banner that you have what, that everyone can see, that could be just pure brand, but no one would come to the booth and engage with you unless that brand was fantastic. So I think, again, it's about tying all of it together in the right way to make sure that you have a metric to go back to so that you can prove out your success. Yeah, I, th I, think, I think that's really interesting, yeah, the um, uh, brand awareness um, piece and actually really tying, just, you know, really still trying to tie dollars or potential revenue to that, to that piece. Is, is really mm -hmm. important because like if you do put on a cocktail party um, or if you do, um, or if you are sort of spending digital branding dollars, um, if exactly. you have a, the, the money to put something on the side of a bus, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. those things have impact and, and still trying to um, uh, sort of explain to, you know, the management team what that impact is. Ultimately, 100%. everything sort of, ties back to what, what's the revenue potential. It certainly is part of, um, you know, creating this bigger net, this bigger marketing net. Exactly and right. Brand awareness plays a part yeah. of that. Michael, I'll go ahead and throw this, uh, this question over to you. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a, yeah, obviously like um, that question, as Brett was saying, is very different if you are, for example, if you're a B2C company now, if you're a B2B company. So my family makes wine, for example. So my family business, we we do a lot of like, we used to love like uh, TV advertisement and it was super hard, so almost impossible to tie that back to actual revenue driven sort of um, revenue driving sort of metrics. But what we could see is that, you know, we would be more on top of people's mind and people would ask about the wine in the supermarket and you then sort of get that revenue back. But then where we're now in B2B, where POC is, um, like for us, it's, it's all about, it's very, very easy and very, very clear. Like that for us, the very first sort of um, metric that we need to look at is lead generation or like driving marketing leads that are qualified that get down to uh, sales qualified leads that get down to opportunities and then into the sort of um, signed client list. And, and it's, it's actually very with, with the tools that we have around marketing automation and, and Salesforce, we, we do that always looking at that funnel and seeing how we can drive that funnel forward. Um, I guess the, the biggest piece around brand that we do is um, again, coming back to this idea of creating a, creating a, a category. I don't know if you've read, um, What's it called? Uh, Play Play Vigo. Vigo. Yeah, exactly. I'm a big fan of it because I think uh, that it's if, amazing. Yeah, it's it's a great concept, and if you if you can create something new and be the thought leader and the market and the leader in that category, then you have a great positioning. Um, 
so we, yeah, we play a lot along that sort of uh, creating a category and owning that category. And that's sort of the biggest brand building exercise that we do. Um, and then everything else is very much around lead gen. Um, yeah, focus. So in terms of like how do we sell those exercise like these, these sort of activities to the bigger team um i think as long as you can connect it to revenue it's very clear that if we, we want to uh, sign x million dollars of revenue uh next year we know we need x many opportunities we don't need x many uh sales leads we don't need x many marketing leads and i think again that's probably if you're earlier stage like the one thing that we probably did too late is like really defining that funnel and we keep on sort of improving the the metrics that are around that funnel and really knowing that. Um, we probably did it at a point where one investor wanted to see it when we were fundraising and we probably should have done it for ourselves a lot earlier. Um, so that's probably one piece of advice I would give to people. <laughs> the, the things that you do while fundraising, just make it part of your weekly activities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's that's really important. Michael, I can't believe you didn't start this conversation off today with my company used to, or my family used to uh, own a wine label. <laughs> we would, <laughs> you might know Blue Nun. I don't know. You, you might be a bit too uh, young. Or like. No, 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 no. I've heard, I've heard of Blue Nun. Mm. That's, yeah. Especially right. in the UK, if I tell people, they always smile because they think back of their student days and, and how drunk we got them. Yeah. <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Um, <laughs> So, um, so one last, uh, you know, sort of a, a question for uh, for both of you as we as we kind of, uh, I think, are heading into the uh, to the end of our podcast today. Um, some tips and tricks uh, around driving uh, growth via content marketing. I think we we all are in this sort of B two B space uh, at Agora. We we have challenges in that we target market uh, developers and product owners and, and sort of decision makers. And so they're, uh, for us, are sort of two different paths, but they're interconnected. Um, and so the content, uh, the, the content marketing piece is really interesting for us because some of it is designed for uh, decision makers and product owners, and some of it's designed for developers, which is a little harder to uh, sort, of, uh, sort of market to. Uh, Brett, how how are you guys driving growth with uh, with content marketing, and what kind of tricks do you have for uh, for everybody out there? Yeah, I think that um, the the best place for everyone to start from a content marketing perspective is to understand the funnel, um, to understand what the pain points are across your conversion funnel, um, and then service them through content. If you don't actually understand what what your your prospects need, uh, there's no use in creating any content. Um, so I think that that's the first thing is to map out a persona based um, content funnel. Once you've done that, then you can start to build the content out. And I don't think it's about just writing one piece here or one piece there. It needs to be a robust library of um, pieces of content that service each of those pain points and each of those personas. Um, so a content marketer's job is never done, in my opinion. I think the other thing is is um, going back to tracking and metrics. Um, you have to understand how it is people are engaging with those uh, with those pieces of content. Uh, and specifically, I'm I'm thinking about um, downloadable content uh, that sales likes to share. So we've adopted a tool, and this is a shout out for the guys over at Docsend. 
uh, we've brought on DocSense to be able to allow us to track the engagement on the shareable pieces of content like that. We can share URLs uh, to pages. We can also share PDFs. And basically what that does is it allows us to understand how far people are reading into the content that we're sharing, uh, where they're stopping. And at the aggregate level, we can then assess that, that, um, that data and say, okay, well, everyone stops three quarters of the way through this video. Why? Everyone stops one quarter of the way through this PDF. Why? And we can then optimize and enhance it to be able to make sure that we can get past that. So I think, uh, content, the content game is all about understanding your audience understanding the pain points that they're going through and understanding your business's conversion milestone. Once you understand all of those things, you deliver content to it to help uh, grease the funnel to move people through as quickly as possible to conversion. Yeah, I, 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 hmm. I totally Can agree I, with all of that. Um, uh, Michael, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I actually have a quick question to Brett. Like, do you use um, Doxen plus a sort of uh, registration gate or... Is that the only thing you use? And from there, you know who, who's using it, who's reading? Yes. So DocSend is very, very intentionally focused on our sales team only. Um, so that's what they share uh, as okay. a link. Or we share it internally if we want to give it to uh, the broader group when we do a marketing update. Um, mm. We use Gates on the website um, sporadically uh, for high value. I'm using you know, a bit of air quotes for high value content. We use Gates. Um, there's a philosophical debate between myself and our content team around whether or not we should gate or shouldn't gate content. Um, mm. If you go back to the play bigger theory, um, one would argue that um, everything that you create should be free by virtue of it being free. You're the, the market leader or the market owner. And therefore um, mm. there's no need to gate it because you'll be the destination. So I'm always torn between gating and not gating. Um, but uh, we use Pardot, and Pardot's our uh, our lead capture uh, when we want to gate versus DocSend, which is more a, a direct to prospect or direct to customer tool. Yeah, I, th I, yeah. I think the gate question is you know is is excellent. You know, do, yeah. Do do you fill out? Uh, do you, does somebody give you their information to receive your content or not? Um, yeah. Uh, trust me, there's a lot of people in the States who won't know what gate is. Um, um, they'll think of the golden gate break. Um, so. yeah. for, me, for me, it's generally like one of the most difficult questions. And, and where do you yeah. make the cutoff point? And to be honest, like for me, it's just yeah. very helpful for uh, someone like Brett to hear you. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, actually I think really, it, it's really interesting. Like for us, we, we look at um, the uh, developer content. Um, mm. the content that's developed for developers and there's a lot of it and is it better if it's gated and sitting inside um, inside a sign-up process or is it better if it's just open to the world uh, if you will sort of like an open source project so that people can just access it and there's a yeah. whole SEO component to it as well yeah exactly right yeah and I think like but yeah. if 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 I think of developers um I would expect them to be a bit pissed off by, by having a gate uh, and actually being a bit more like, well, I'm used to open source. I should be just able yeah. to, to access this. Whereas like for us retailers and sort of when we sort of, a lot of our content goes to the, well, if you look at the different personas, we have some that goes to sort of the CEO, the CTO, the 
uh, chief customer officer. And that quite often goes out directly from the salesperson or the sort of inside um, sort of BDRs. Um, but then if we, yeah, a lot of other things, like if we do it on our marketing and our marketing channels and push our content on our blog, um, it quite often gets read by business analysts at the client and they don't mind at all to, to fill out something yeah. and, and they know it's part of the game. Um, but yeah, for us, like, uh, in terms of, in terms of, uh, content and how do we, how do we go about it? Like we, for us, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot about like, um, yeah, what, what actually creates value. And yeah, I was smiling earlier, um, because exactly in two points that I was going to say about personas and looking at your funnel, uh, is what, yeah, what Brad was saying is, is exactly what I was trying to say. Because one thing that we notice is like, for example, case studies work just amazingly well at one part of the funnel. So if you look at your funnel and you notice like in the end, you have a lot of dropout, like a case study is really great at that to push through a, um, uh, an opportunity through the pipeline. And, and yeah, so really focusing on, on what, like Brad said, what, where's the pain point and when, what piece of content is helping you with that piece of that pain point. And I wrote down Docsend, so I'm going to have a look at that. <laughs> uh brett make sure to see if you get uh, an extra five dollars off from those guys yeah <laughs> i'm doing a reference i mean it's interesting this week. <laughs> can you can you talk shall we talk a bit about market technology stack it would be quite interesting to hear what you guys have in terms of your stack uh sure that, I, that's a really good question uh brett uh technology stack from the world of marketing what are you using yeah, so we, starting at the website, we uh, are a WordPress website. Um, and then I've got uh, Google Tag Manager that I use in there. Uh, on top of that, we have Pardot for our marketing automation and demand base for our reverse IP lookup. Um, we also have Clearbits um, to do our um, uh, lead validation. Um, and then on top of that, we have uh, a handful of other little tools that we use for surveying and um, social sharing, like Hootsuite, that type of stuff, but a pretty mm. simple stack. Um, we actually host on um, Pantheon rather than in like AWS, just so that we can avoid any of the DevOps requirements that um, one would have. Uh, if we want to go through release cycles and stuff like that. But a pretty simple stack. I'm sure I'm missing lots of little bits and pieces, but that's the core. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Think, yeah. Sorry, uh, oh, Brett, uh, sorry, Michael, how about yourself? What are you, what are you guys using stack-wise? Um, it's actually almost the same, like WordPress, um, Pardot, Salesforce. We use Lead Forensics for sort of IP tracking. Um, and yeah, there's loads of like small pieces of software on the website. Yeah. That the team are using, obviously yeah, Adobe, we, Photoshop. We decided yeah. to make we decided to make things a little bit more challenging. Uh, so we, you know, our our CRM. I'm sure you guys are both using Salesforce to some extent. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. Instead of Pardot, we're using uh, Marketo. Uh, yes, a WordPress website. Uh, there, there's a new WordPress website on the way. Hopefully, be out in the next uh, the next the next couple weeks uh, or so. Um, but from a, a technology standpoint, it is pretty interesting, um, you know, how much uh, somebody fills out a form and how many different places I send that information. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
um, you know, not only do we do we ship it into Marketo and into Salesforce, uh, but we also ship it into internal databases um, that we use for you know sort of a variety of reasons. Um, and it is it is kind of interesting when we start to cross reference uh, usage statistics against uh, where things are in in sales funnels and and trying to tie that sort of all together. Uh, it, it definitely can be uh, can be challenging. Just just one quick thing I wanted to mention on the the content marketing tips and tricks. Um, it, one of the things that um, uh, I noticed a couple years ago, started to notice a couple years ago, and and have continued to notice is um, a lot of people will start content marketing but not finish it. Um, <laughs> so, Brett, you know, you had mentioned that you're you're always doing content marketing. It never ends. It just keeps going and going and going. And and that that's yep. absolutely correct. Um, and too many companies think, uh, especially younger organizations, will will sort of fall into the trap of of spending all this time building this great case study of this great white paper, this great piece of content, and then expecting the, 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 the world to come knocking at their doors. Um, <laughs> and, and really it's a, it's a long-term strategy. It's, a, it's long tail. You have to, you have to build uh, a lot of content consistently over time. And that's really yep. where I, I think a, a, a lot of companies um, uh, are, are looking to go with their, with their content marketing strategy. Yeah. I think revision is the most important thing as well. Like not only from just a, a currency, like to keep things up to date, um, but from an SEO perspective, uh, our, our search engines who we rely on to rank are looking for recency of content. So if you ignore it, it's not set and forget. And I think that that's one of the most important things in a content strategy is to continually be revising and optimizing what you're doing to be able to make sure that it's doing the job that you've set it up to do. Um, Cause otherwise it's just a, a lot of wasted investment. So true. So true. All right. So uh, I think we're getting really close to wrapping up. I'm, I'm Michael. I'm so excited about blue nun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to tell you, you brought back memories. <laughs> Um, so thank you for that. Um, any just really quick, like 30 second last second thoughts on, uh, on the topics that we covered? Like, I, yeah, I guess that's the last thought for us. Um, in the end of the day, we, yeah, sales and, and, and revenue is the ox oxygen of any business. So marketing will have to support that. And in that way, you could as we had earlier, you could sort of think about it as sales, but uh, in a different moment. Gotcha. Yeah. And Brett? Um, I think that uh, marketing's not easy. And uh, if you're out there and you're leading a company and you're a CEO or C-suite, just remember that it takes many hands to be successful at what we do. And um, not everything happens overnight. So although you should demand results. Uh, be a little bit patient with what your uh, expectations are and have them tempered um, through continuous updates and insights. Don't expect the world immediately. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, uh, marketing um, is sort of the opposite of everything happens for a reason. 
And on that note, I will go ahead and pass it back over to Ryan. Well, thank you. Great conversation, fellas. I've enjoyed listening in and taking all kinds of notes on three or four different pieces of paper and then condensing them down. If you joined us in the beginning, we were having a fun exercise of what words can you replace marketing with? And so I was listening and I found a bunch of words. Then, of course, I added an ing to, to make it ingness. So these are following words that I've learned now we can replace marketing with. And I'll just do a high level overview. First of all, marketing can be replaced with positioning. We talked about the, the difference between a generalist and a specialist. So in how you're positioning your messaging is how you're marketing. Then you have balancing. We talked about the balancing act between growth and scale and team and responsibilities. Number three, I like this one, clairvoyancing. Okay. Because you have to essentially predict what's happening based on what you want. So this idea of timing, quarterly, monthly, daily, weekly goals, you've got to be clairvoyant then it's actually experiencing because you have your team, the ability to have the consistency across the different, um, you know, internal and external markets, but it's an experience marketing is salesing because we've talked about this from day one. Marketing is sailing project managing because throughout this process, it's many hands. It's not just one person educationing because it is an educational process. The sales process is education and marketing is the textbook that gets you there. And finally, contenting, which is this idea of everything from the funnel to the pain points to uh, you know revising and optimizing and serving the people who have a pain that you're giving that, that medication for. So as, a, as an exercise for individuals, as you go on with your marketing life, think about words that can replace marketing, throw an ING on there, and it'll help to reinforce these components. Because I think at top level, if we're just saying marketing, meh, we might underestimate how deep that rabbit hole goes. So I appreciate your insights. This is great. Look forward to connecting with you guys out there as well. And it's fun to see that some of the same tools are shared across and there's even still little debates between um, what's going on. But at the end of the day, it's about finding a tool that works for you and your team, especially as you're scaling. Now, these aren't startups. These are scale-ups, people, because you've got a whole other set of problems when instead of just scrambling to exist, you're scrambling to scale. So if you want to learn more tips and tricks about scaling the impossible feat that is something that these heroes are doing every day, you can check up scaleupacademy.io or join us every Monday wherever you are in the world for conversations like this. Thank you, Dave. Um, thank you, Brett. Thank you, Michael. This was fun. And we'll see you guys all online as you continue to position, balance, be clairvoyant, create experiences, sell while you project manage, all while you're educating and contenting to boot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all guys. Right. All right. I feel Whoa. like we just created enough for a new